Everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. I am here with Scott Heron and Linda Oliver. Scott, Linda, how's it going? Hey, it's going well. Hey, John. I always love that awkward intro uh, <laughs> where everyone's trying not to talk over each other and interrupt and all that yeah. good stuff. Um, so today we're going to be talking about volunteers. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know we've talked about volunteers periodically. Uh, episode 369 is a specific episode I'd point people back to uh, that was entitled Youth Ministry FAQs and Pro Tips. We had Susan, Andrew, and John joining us who were in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, serving at, I think, the Kirk. Um, I'd yeah, point you back a lot of good uh, wisdom from them. And I know there's been some other episodes where we've, we've talked about volunteers. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about recruiting volunteers and kind of practically what that looks like. Uh, how do you attract the right volunteers? Uh, we're going to be talking about some of our biggest mistakes in recruiting volunteers and who knows what else we'll talk about. Uh, we might get into just a lot of different things. Um, I thought we could start off by just asking you guys, how, how did you utilize volunteers in ministry? Linda, how did you utilize volunteers? Scott, how are you currently utilizing volunteers? Uh, Linda, you want to start off with us? Sure. So, I mean, different churches and youth groups I've been at have done this differently, right? Kind of depending on needs and staff structures and whatnot. So I've seen all sorts of things. Um one of the most common ways, obviously, we use volunteers is in um, leading small groups. Um, but then there there can be other smaller roles for a Wednesday or Sunday program where it might be helping with um, some smaller details that have to do with like setup or just things that help the program run. Uh, maybe someone who's helping run uh, slides or doing music. Um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, behind the board making the uh, sound work and whatnot. Um, but then you think about um, trips and events, and those are kinds of things that you would draw a lot of extra volunteers into. Um, and of course, if you want to include the category of something like a committee um, where parents and others might speak into some of the vision um, and overall kind of decisions of the ministry, that would be another place I've seen volunteers used. So it can be, really be a, a broad um, variety of things, I would say. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I could add anything to that. Those are the same ways that we utilize our volunteers, uh, prayer group leaders, and uh, that's the big one. Um, certainly have, we need, ha we have needs behind the scenes, just like Linda was saying, you know, setting up for meals or certain events, things like that. Um, but yeah, in retreats and, and other things like that. So I, I sometimes I'm trying, what I'm trying to do is I'd like to start looking for some volunteers who can, um, help, help teach a little more. Uh, that's an area that I haven't had, um, a lot of, I guess maybe success in finding someone who wants to do that. I think they see sometimes what we do on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning, depending on when or what Sunday or whatever mm -hmm. night you do youth group. And they're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but, uh, 
but uh, I, that's something that I've been thinking about, praying about, is that just to get somebody else, some other voices in front of the kids. So, yeah, I th- yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom there, and I, I'm glad you brought up your prayer groups because I've been able to to go out and visit you in Montana and got to observe that, and it was just neat after a a large group teaching time how you guys split up, and then you got some more intimate time to to share prayer requests and have leaders doing that is so cool to to witness. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, similarly to, to what you guys uh, have talked about, teaching was always a big way that I utilize people, both in Sunday school and then small groups on, on Wednesday nights. Um, I mean, w- one of the things that, that I did that, that seemed to be helpful was whatever book study we were going through, I would try to read and uh, just outline the the chapter that they were going to be teaching on a week ahead of time and just kind of give them, hey, here's the, the main points of the chapter. Here's some things you can utilize go off of this, do whatever you want. Um, but that would often help those who, who felt like, okay, they're busy. They've got a lot going on. They don't know how much time they could devote to that. But that, that would be just something I would try to do to, to encourage the, the teachers. Um, transportation was another big one. Uh, oftentimes for our fall retreat, uh, we would go somewhere that was uh, about an hour away from our church. And we wanted to, to minimize student, I mean, student drivers um, just liability reasons, all that. Sometimes it was late when people were coming. And so getting parents to help drive. Uh, we also had a big Christmas party and we would do a pancake breakfast that, that night. We'd dress in pajamas and they'd cook pancakes and uh, parents would do all the cooking. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the youth committee, Linda. Um, I would try to encourage our youth committee to reach out to people that might not feel comfortable teaching or driving, but they can flip pancakes. And so try to find, you know, different ways in which other parents could get involved um, from, you know, uh, serving pancakes at a, at a breakfast. Um, and yeah, just hospitality was another thing, uh, having parents open their home to uh, invite the youth in and, and have different um, yeah parties and things like that. So th- those were some of the ways that I tried to utilize volunteers. And And something too, and I'd love for you guys to react to to what I just said, but I think early on I was, I was intimidated by volunteers and probably insecure about volunteers because I felt like this was my territory and was being controlling. And I was kind of cautious of how I would reach out to people and really just kind of thinking I could, I could do it on my own. Um, So I'm just curious react to, to any of the things I just said about utilizing volunteers, but then also that just, did you ever kind of go through that time of just being a little hesitant about volunteers? Yeah, I started youth ministry in a place where we had such a large staff that there were less roles that we had to rely on volunteers for. And so even the idea of a volunteer teaching Sunday school, that would probably happen, um, uh, like I could count on one hand the number of times that would happen in a year because we just had so much staff, right? And so I came out of a place thinking like, oh yeah, like the staff are the people who like run the youth ministry. But then I went to a much smaller church and it was so common for us to bring volunteers in for those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I just have seen, um, especially maybe in one of my contexts, this tendency for us to think like, oh, like, I'm not really sure if there's anyone in the church that quite fits 
like what I'm looking for in a youth leader. And so I just don't really want to like ask anybody because I want to like keep control over like we've got the people who have the right like, I don't know, theological views and the right like um, personality to connect with students and whatever like combination of things it is instead of thinking like, man, like it is my job to equip the saints for ministry and I can help um, equip these people um, to shape the kind of make them more into the kind of volunteers I would like them to be over the long term, right? Like if, if they need some theological education or whatever, they're like, let's be the ones who help equip them in that um, and entrust this ministry to the congregation as a whole, because we're all called to be a part of it. Yeah, that's so good, Linda. I, as both of you were talking, I'm thinking, yeah, John, you mentioned a couple of things that made me reminded me that I do. We have parents make dinners every Wednesday for the junior high group, which is, I guess, technically a volunteer role. It's not an official, you know, youth leadership uh, team role. But um, and Linda, what you said about your second church—that's kind of where I started. Was a small church, and I had to come in and basically figure things out from scratch. Like there was only four of us on staff at the time. Um, and the other two were full-time, you know, they were co-senior pastors and I was an associate. And so nobody, nobody was involved with youth ministry except for me. And uh, I was intimidated, John, big time. Like uh, I remember thinking, how on earth am I going to find anybody who wants to be a part of this program? And so I, I, uh, I actually just kind of took whoever the first couple of years, but the Lord was faithful in that, and we didn't have any. I, I turned out I made my mistakes later with volunteers, not in that first those first couple of years of developing. But like Linda's saying, um, it is our job to equip equip the saints for ministry, and and discipleship is such a an important part of what we do in youth ministry. And so finding those leaders, um, you know, it's it's not easy. That's for sure. Um, we also, the other thing you, you mentioned, John, it reminded me that um, I'm having high school kids lead. So most of our leaders, we have a few adults, but most of our leaders over the junior high are high school kids, and they are teaching. Uh, we're doing the Church 101, which we talked about last time, I think, in the podcast. And I think, Linda, you had a big part of that, right? Writing mm-hmm. that one. Yep. Um, and it's going well. Just going well. to interject. Just yeah, interject and say, she didn't just have to <laughs> She didn't just have a part in that. She wrote the whole thing. So that's all. Okay, that's what I thought, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to be modest for her, but so it's going well. The kids are really liking it. And I even had a couple of parents say uh, that their kids are remembering things. So, so the curriculum's working well, but anyway, all that to say um, it's always John, I think intimidating to try to find leaders. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there, there's many valid concerns that we're expressing here or kind of in some ways tiptoeing around. And I think some of those concerns we can kind of get into uh, more specifically because I'm glad, I mean, just to affirm uh, and re- or reiterate what you both are saying and, and point to the specific scripture, you know, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, where we're talking about equipping the saints. I mean, that, that's a biblical command. And so we need to to be able to say kind of strongly, um, volunteers, are, that's a biblical concept. That's a biblical command. And we should be striving uh, as, you know, if we're talking to youth workers specifically, 
um, God has placed this youth ministry under our stewardship. And one of the ways we can faithfully steward that is by you know, equipping the saints to help us. And that there's so much, not only just biblical wisdom on, again, we've got this command here, but I mean, all of us, I like uh, uh, Mark DeVries. He said something in his book, Sustainable Youth Ministry, that we're all interims. Uh, meaning we will all be replaced. Uh, those of you listening to this right now, if you're serving in student ministry, someone's going to replace you. Uh, you're, you're not going to be there forever. And if we're building a youth ministry around us, around our personalities, once we leave, uh, th- that can have some negative impact on the students that are under us. But if we have volunteers around us who are remaining after we go, uh, th- that really can help the mystery uh, continue to move forward. And so not, not only just biblical command here, but biblical wisdom on, on why we need to be equipping the saints for this type of ministry. And so, yes, uh, let's affirm uh, why we need to do this, but let's get into some cautions. And, and I know it's about time to take a break. So how about on the other side of the break, let's share some of our biggest uh, recruiting mistakes and then give some cautions and then kind of uh, how do we attract the right volunteers? We'll just discuss that a little bit. So let's take a break and then we'll be back uh, with more with Scott and Linda. Hello, my name is John Ravel. I'm the youth and family pastor at Lakeland Presbyterian Church, and I'm the author of RWAM's newest series, Grace 101. In composing this series of lessons, Uh, I really had two main goals or or thoughts. One was I wanted to make sure that as much scripture as possible made its way into these lessons. I wanted to make sure these lessons were just permeated by the scriptures because, of course, the scriptures are our ultimate source of truth and authority, but also the scriptures just have so much to say about this topic, this reality of grace. After all, it is grace that is at the foundation of our relationship with God. And so there's just so much there in the scriptures that I think we can easily lose sight uh, of, uh, of many passages because we'll focus on other passages that are maybe more well-known. We think that because we know a handful of passages that, that talk about grace, that we have it maybe all figured out, but there's just so much else in the scriptures, and, uh, and I wanted to bring those, those things in. Secondly, I wanted to bring certain ideas into conversation. I wanted to be able to distinguish things separate things, but also bring harmony between things. Things like justification and sanctification, uh, ideas like common grace and saving grace. Uh, You know, when we think of grace, works, law, faith, effort, you know, all of those things that very often we either separate or pit against each other. I think there's a lot of harmony between these things. And and so I, I do that a good bit throughout the series as well. So I, I, I do hope and pray that this series is helpful for you and your walk with Christ, that it would be encouraging and edifying and glorifying to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you. All right, I am back here with Scott Heron and Linda Oliver. And I know, again, you guys are on the podcast consistently, but just reminding our listeners, Scott, you're out in Bozeman, Montana. Linda, you are in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we're, we're recording on three different time zones today. Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking about volunteers. I think about uh, volunteers in, in my ministry. Um, I've said there, there were three guys who were some of the most consistent and solid volunteers. And I've told them before, and it, 
awesome thing is I'm still friends with these guys today. Uh, they probably added five years to my ministry. Um, that again, going back early in ministry, I, you know, I wanted to be the one doing this and I was intimidated to bring anybody else in who might be more gifted than I am at something. But as I got older and more grouchy and fatigued and all all of that, um, (laughs) I was happy to welcome people that, man, they can connect with this student in a way I cannot, they have this gift. I do not, and I need them. And you know, it just became vital for my, my ministry. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we've talked about, um, we've got to be cautious. We've got to be careful about, uh, the people that we invite into the ministry. And as I've heard people say before, you know, never put an announcement in the church bulletin of, Hey, volunteers needed (laughs) because you could get some people that you just totally don't want um, helping out in the ministry. And as I've heard other people say, it is very hard to fire a volunteer. Um, and I can remember, I mean, just you know, as we're starting to get into mistakes and uh, Linda and Scott, I, w- I want y'all to chime into this. Um, yeah, there was a, a small group leader I had one time who was a very faithful um, leader and gifted in a lot of ways and, and a blessing. Um but one time I had chosen a book that we were going through that was a little, you know, theologically technical and got into some just kind of difficulties. But at the same time, our students were kind of interested in this. And but what I discovered was that this small group leader was kind of talking critically about the book, talking critically about me and kind of critical about the idea of even talking about this in youth ministry. And one of the students in the class told their parents (laughs) and their parents called me and said, Hey, you just need to be aware that in this class, this volunteer is saying this about you. And that was such an uncomfortable conversation I had to have with that volunteer. And, you know, it wasn't heated. It wasn't, it was cordial. It was just, it was awkward for both of us um, of, Hey, look, I know this is kind of technical at the same time put a lot of thought into why we're doing this. Our youth committee kind of signed off on this and I really need you to support me behind the scenes. Um, you know, come talk to me if you have problems with, it, but don't talk to students. And so that was just really uncomfortable. And um, I think kind of shortly after that, this person never volunteered to teach anymore. And, you know, there was just that awkwardness. So, I mean, that's just some awkwardness that can come from volunteers. And that's just a story that kind of comes to mind. Linda, just curious, you know, react to that story, any stories you have, any mistakes you can think of, and then Scott, you can jump into. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of one time, um, years ago had a volunteer or maybe it was two volunteers that, um, were kind of stirring up some discontent amongst students about our church and its worship style. Um, in general, I'd say that's what it was about. Um, and you know, it's, I think like we should, we should have leaders that have differences of opinions on things. That's fine. And it's fine for, you know, people to even hold, um, different theological positions on minor issues, you know, not in the gospel, but on like tertiary issues than us and even talk with students about that. But, um, there, there's a way to do that, which doesn't like, um, I don't know, stir up um, like negative feelings towards the church or towards its leaders in like unnecessary ways, you know? 
um, where we can say like, Hey, it's okay for us to disagree on this. Like, here's my opinion. Um, and I think it like, it, it's okay for someone like in your instance, for example, to like pick up a book and be like, you know, I have a preference for books that are like a little less technical because it's hard for me to like connect with this. But like, it's a different thing when um, they're saying like, hey, yeah, like John's an idiot for picking this book or like what I don't know what they're saying. You know, like those those are like the things that you have to like um, address sometimes that can be difficult. And that's um, unfortunately what sometimes like people can be doing if they're kind of like stirring that up amongst students in there. I, I think it's a it's a maturity issue um, often with the the leaders that this comes up with. And so that's where you really have to be careful about who you're choosing maturity wise. And do they have the ability to kind of um, navigate these kinds of things with wisdom um, and discernment? Um, I think I've also run into stuff where um, I don't know, we, we just weren't, we made the mistake of like not, communicating with our volunteers enough or um, not equipping them well enough. It was like, there would be one meeting at the beginning of the semester. Hey, here's the curriculum we're going through. Here's what the night looks like. And like, that's it. We would never do anything else with our volunteers. And I just think that was like a huge missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that was, man, this is so, so good. Um, I think of uh, the mistakes I've made in two different categories. Well, Linda, you started to hit on these, but, the first mistake I think I've made in recruiting um, is maybe I've had, I'm just thinking of a couple different situations um, over the last 10 years. And uh, I think it's the, the biggest mistake I made in recruiting was um, so our church has a policy. You can't work with children unless you're a member. And, uh, and so that's the first roadblock, which is kind of nice actually. Um, and because uh, it, it means that you need to buy into the vision and, and uh, you know, who we are as a church and submit to that. And so that's a good a good first step. But I have over the years. Um, we have it. We have this also this process of becoming a member. Right. So if someone is in process of becoming a member, I've allowed them to start working um, with permission from some you know the other pastors and. And that I'm not going to do again. I'm going to make sure that they're fully a member first because I can run into some issues there. And I think the reason why is because I, the other mistake I make in recruiting is like assuming the best about someone uh, too quickly. Uh, just assuming maybe because they, they have lots of energy and they demonstrate a love for kids or uh, you know, they're there a couple of times to kind of check out what we're doing and they really connected quickly. And so I'm just kind of like, well, sign them up. Right. <laughs> and uh, instead of like, you know, hey, let's see, you know, let's give you a couple more interactions and let's get to know you a little bit more. And, uh, and as a result, I had um, well, I had two situations, but one in particular. And like you said, John, firing a volunteer is like, really, it's the worst um, because it's like you're going to deliver and it's like you're not even you know, it's like, you're, you're letting me go from a position that I, that I'm, you know, uh, I, I agreed to do for free, right? There's no compensation or anything. It's like, I'm, uh, and it, it kind of inadvertently sends a message like, wow, I'm that bad, <laughs> which that's not what you're trying to communicate. Yeah. But I had a young lady who was working with uh, the teenage girls and 
over time, what it kind of came out was that she was needing something from these kiddos. She was needing their affirmation. She was needing their almost friendship, I guess you would say. And she started to do these sidebar uh, on her own youth gatherings. And we always have, we have co-leaders. So I always have two leaders over each group of, of students. And she would organize events um, with the girls without her co-leader and without telling me. And it just got really difficult. So that was not fun. And, and the mistake I made was, you know, there were, there were red flags and there were other volunteers that kind of came to me and said, hey, this person is doing this and just be aware. And I, you know, I gave her grace and I just waited too long and it just became really difficult to let to say, hey, I really don't, I don't think this is working. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I've made. The other is just in discipling our leaders, like Linda was talking about. Man, I uh, too often communicate too late. Uh, I, I don't follow up with them on meetings like I need to. Uh, we've tried to do trading books in the past, and I always let those fizzle out. So I just, <laughs> there's, there's so many mistakes I've made in like trying to, keep their energy up and keep their love for the kids. But some reason they keep sticking around. So those are things I wish I would do a better job of. Yeah, no, th those are good things. And look, I mean, you said so much. I, I'd love for you maybe just briefly talk about why you have co-leaders. Um, that is so wise and that's huge to do that. But maybe just kind of elaborate a little bit on why you think it's, it's good to have co-leaders together. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the things we value is just the longevity of relationships with students. And so the first reason I think we have co-leaders is because if you come into our youth ministry uh, and you start with a group of sixth graders, I want you to be with them for the next six years till they graduate. And so that increases the percentage that one of those two leaders will be there for that whole time. Right. So that's one of the reasons. The other is. Um, it just, uh, it's just a, it's a safety thing too, you know, just like, I mean, I don't worry about it if one of the leaders is gone and they take the kiddos and they do their prayer group because they're not, they're not one-on-one -on -one with a kid in some corner of the building. <clears throat> they're with the other students, but, but it just in general, it's a safety issue. And also, um, you know, uh, I, you know, we, we don't, you know, we, they can't make it every week. And so if you, if you have, I tell my leaders, you know, try to make three Wednesdays out of four a month. If you can't make three out of four, uh, then we probably should talk. Um, I have made a few exceptions where there's a couple of volunteers who can do two a month, but we've got the co-leader, right? So that person's filling in. And the other, I think it's just so important is that we just shouldn't do any of this alone. Right. Uh, and, and recruiting, especially with when it comes to recruiting volunteers. So any of you youth pastors who are listening, probably a lot of you, and you're thinking about recruiting people, uh, don't do it alone. Get help, get other people's input. Um, that way you don't have the full responsibility of, um, you know, if it, if it goes poorly, uh, you got input ahead of time. Maddie, our girls director, she, I will always run a name by her before I ever like call the person and even talk to them about it. But so the co-leader thing has been good because everybody has different gifts, right? And, and, I've got in our group of sophomore boys, we've got 12 sophomore boys just, just in that group. And so 
I, I can't do that by myself. I need Bruce to help me. And he's going to connect with some of those boys in ways that I'm not going to connect with them. Um, and so it's just really, really good to have too. So, but the downside is like, that's a ton of work. And so, cause now I've got to have double the leaders, right? And so just, you know, one leader for each prayer group, I, I have two. So we have 26 volunteers for the whole youth ministry. Man, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of good wisdom there. Um, I think if I had to, to maybe highlight just one, uh, one of the mistakes that, that I made, it would be just kind of not stewarding them well. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like once I got them to sign up for the small group or wh- whatever it was, it was kind of like, okay, yes, they're in place. Now it's kind of hands off. And, you know, typically when they show up on a Wednesday night, we'd have 80 or so kids and it's chaos and it's insane and I'm not able to give them time. And so it just kind of like we would go through the semester. And so I think I could have celebrated them more. I could have encouraged them more. I could have uh, just interacted with them them better. And so I think it's it's important to to really celebrate them and to treat them and to and and really thinking back to that episode I, I referenced earlier uh, with um, Susan, John, and Andrew. Uh, they, they talk about how how what a good job John Spencer does in celebrating volunteers. So that'd be something I'd point people back to. And you know, you, you're both talking about a lot of good things of, of us being cautious with, I mean, the maturity issue, um, uh, you know, in, in so many different ways. I mean, from Linda, from, from your story, Scott, yours as well, but you know, you can get volunteers that, that struggle with what we all can struggle with. And that is trying to look cool in front of youth and trying to be accepted by them instead of speaking a hard word or, or speaking a word of, of caution, you know, if it was talking about the worship or whatever, and that can be a tough situation to, to be in, but, but having those leaders that are mature to, to realize, okay, look, I'm going to sacrifice some coolness here by being a mature Christian and saying this, you know, instead. And so maybe let's talk about some of those um, qualities we look for in a volunteer. Uh, some of those, uh, just gifts that we may try to focus in on, you know, as you guys have tried to pick volunteers throughout the years, what, what are some of those things that you you've looked for in, in volunteers? Linda, maybe we can start with you. Sure. Um, I mean, I think paying attention to their character and spiritual maturity is the first thing you've got to think about. And, um, you know, when we were talking about even doing this, uh, topic as an episode, part of what made me think of it is there's several old episodes when uh, in the first season you were asking youth leaders, what's one of the worst things or one of the biggest mistakes you've made in youth ministry. And there were a number of them that said, I was not vigilant enough in who I was choosing as leaders. And for the most part, those answers had to do with it was someone whose character and spiritual maturity in the end turned out to not be, you know, as high as we would have liked for it to have been. And I think a lot of us who have been in youth ministry for more than a few years can think of examples of that we've seen as well, where ultimately these volunteers, maybe they um, seemed good for a time, they connected well with students, they had a heart for students in some way, but there's some way in which they were not the most godly example or, you know, we cringe now at the fact that students are probably still following them on Instagram and like, what are they posting there? You know, like I've seen that even in former staff. Um, 
I think we have to think first about their character and their spiritual maturity. Um, I want to find the kind of people that um, like, what's that verse in Acts that's like, they knew that they had been with Jesus, right? Like, I, I want to find those kinds of people that would fit that description. Um, and then, you know, like, yes, we do have to have people that it seems like they're going to connect with students. Um, cause I don't want it to be a place full of volunteers that students are just going to be like, what is up with these weird people that don't get me, you know, <laughs> um, it has to be a place students want to come to. And so, yeah, who can connect with students? I remember, um, a few years ago, I heard someone talking about this and they said, generally, um, most volunteers are probably going to think that they would rather do high school than middle school ministry, but they might not be right. Because if you find someone who's a really, really good kind of encourager, kind of cheerleader personality, um, that's going to make a great middle school leader. And if you find someone who's a really good listener, who knows what it's like to walk through suffering, who's not going to, um, you know, just be the energetic encourager person, but like can really listen well to students and kind of counsel them like that is someone who will be really great with high schoolers. Um, and I think you have to pay attention to the culture of your own youth group too. like who's going to fit in with your youth group. Um, I've definitely, even in like hiring interns and stuff, seen people who I thought, man, this would be a great youth leader at another church, but it's not that great of a fit for the culture of our youth ministry. And I think it's okay to just like own that, um, and talk with someone about like, Hey, like, is this going to be a fit? Um, or would you fit somewhere else? better. Um, yeah. And then you just want someone who's going to be available and faithful. Like Scott was talking about, um, especially if there's someone who can be like a long-term volunteer, like look for someone who can be faithful. Um, and, and I think that can come in all sorts of different ages. Um, I don't want, I mean, kind of back to the first point, I don't want to put just the youngest, least mature people in the church in front of my teens. Um, I, I want to put a variety of ages in front of them. I want them to have intergenerational, um, influences on them. Um, and so that can be a lot of different, um, things that you're looking for there, but yeah, those are some of the things I, I look for. Yeah, that, that's good. And I'm, I want to come back to the, you know, obviously spiritual maturity, number one. Um, but then also the balance of not just getting, these people that yeah may be spiritually mature, but they're also not fun. And of course we, we need to be cautious with emphasizing fun, but at the same time, it is important. And it is something that youth ministry specifically needs, needs to consider. And so maybe we can come back to that a little bit, but Scott, what, what are some things you look for in a volunteer? Yeah. Um, man, Linda, that's so good. Uh, why, do, why don't you want the youngest, least mature in front of your students? I'm sorry. I missed that part. <laughs> when you said that, Linda, it made me think about our age range. And I, I did a quick mental inventory. We've got, uh, I've got leaders who are 16 and leaders who are 60. That's pretty cool. Wow. So I, I agree with you. The age range is so important. Um, so just some real practical things that I've, uh, tried to implement over the years. The first, I, I mentioned this before, is that they need to be a church member. Um, and and that's that's just important because this person has stood in front of the congregation taking vows and said, I, I'm committed. Uh, so that's stage one of being faithful, right? And then 
uh, our church kind of has this policy, so I've adopted it as well, which is, you know, future leaders are current leaders. And so, like, let's say we're looking for a deacon, right? Well, what we do is we sit down and we say, well, who's deaconing already, right? Who's doing that? Um, you know, so when it comes to youth workers, I'll, I'll look around on Sunday and I'll like, okay, who are some older or adults that maybe are talking to students on Sunday morning? Or, uh, or if it's student leaders, you know, who over the years has said, hey, Scott, can I help put tables away or put tables back out or things like that? So just people who are willing to serve are already serving. And so I, that's an important part of what I look for. Um, of course, spiritual maturity is so important, but I think for me, uh, one of the things that's, if I were to, if I were to like, um, nail down a detail point on that is that spiritual maturity, sure. It's important for me. If you are spending time in God's word and, and you have a, a meaningful prayer life, and like you said, Linda, they, they can tell they've been with Jesus. Those are all important. But I think more important than that is just simply the attitude of brokenness, where this person knows their need for Jesus. Like they understand their sin. Uh, it's not hard to talk about their struggles with them. Because um, going back to the mistake thing, that was one of the others that I had with one of the other per people that I had to ask to step down is that this person could never quite pinpoint where their struggle was to the point where it's like, Oh yeah. You know, and confess it even. Right. And so just the knowing their brokenness is so important. Like I'll take somebody who knows their brokenness way before somebody who understands, you know, reformed doctrine. Right. Um, and then I, I choose people I like to be with. <laughs> so if somebody says, Hey, so-and-so, so-and-so, you ought to think about, you know, because people will come up and say, hey, so-and-so would be a good youth leader. And and then I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I like that person, but it's not like, you know, do they do they get me? Do I get them? Are we friends, right? And so that's kind of important to me. Um, it's not it's not the same with everybody that, I, that, that volunteers, but it's just important because we do dinners together. We hang out. We, we like to be together. Um, and then, like I said before, I, n I never recruit by myself. Um, I always bring other people in, a, in on it. And then I never recruit from the pulpit or from the front, like, or from the bulletin, like you said, uh, John, like, it's just a bad idea to, like, cast that net. Um, because then you just are like, you know, it, it get, even though you haven't told somebody yes to volunteer, it, um, it gives them a... Uh, just like a false sense of hope, right? You're like, oh, Scott, I want, I want to help. I want to help. What, what do I do? And then I'm like, well, let's see. We'll talk about it, right? And then, <laughs> so I just kind of do one-on-one. -on -one. So we just have conversations about it frequently. We go through the church directory. Um, I've had leaders that led in the past who maybe decided to stop leading. And so they've been off for a few years. I will always go back to them first. You know, can you come back next year? Um, because I've already got that relationship established and there is somebody that I can trust. So those are, those are some of the things that I try to practice when it comes to like, to, yeah, to recruiting. Yeah. There's, yeah, a lot of good wisdom there. Um, and I do like, I mean, just the point of someone you like to be around. I mean, we, we need to think of yeah. anytime. I mean, 
we're on staff at our church or we work anywhere, the people we work with are, are vitally important that we, we mesh well with those people. And so as you're thinking of recruiting a volunteer, that, that does factor into, I mean, just personality and all that. That's not something to overlook. I think just some, some random thoughts to share as, as you guys are speaking. I think it's important to, um, to give volunteers a break uh, that I had a, a volunteer who specifically wanted to, to teach every small group, like three, we'd have just kind of a big small group in the fall, basically, and then a big one in the spring. And they just were always wanting to be in that rotation. And it, there were times I welcomed that and times that uh, I, I wanted them to do that. And then other times I had to say, look, I, I love that you're wanting to do this, but I'm going to force you to take a break because I don't want you to burn out. And so even if we've got an eager volunteer who's accessible coming, all that, uh, still give them breaks because I've definitely seen those volunteers who were never given a break and they totally got burned out and then they didn't come back. And so we need to be thinking about getting, um, you know, giving breaks and, and that's one way we can, we can steward our, our volunteers. Um, yeah. Going back, Linda, to kind of what you were saying of, yes, yeah, somebody who's spiritually mature, but then someone who's fun as well. Um, you know, it, it seems like as we're talking about teaching, um, this being just a major focus of, of volunteers that, that we do have to be selective about those people that we're going to have upfront actually teaching, teaching the word. And that sometimes we need to realize, okay, here's a volunteer I'm going to utilize who's, who's more fun, but I'm probably never going to use them in a teaching scenario. It's more of kind of, I want to say crowd control on a Wednesday night or playing ultimate Frisbee or, or whatever, something along those lines. But then you also need someone who can, you know, teach in a way that's not going to be boring. Who's, you know, spiritually mature, but also can be funny and lighthearted with students. And I've heard from students before who say, yeah, they're, I guess they're kind of a good teacher, but it's also just kind of dry and boring. And so any thoughts you, you guys have there, either one of you of just kind of recruiting the, the right personality type and any thoughts there, just react to, to what I just said, Linda or Scott. Well, I, yeah, John, what, you know, you just said so many good things. I don't know if there's much to add. That's probably why we're both hesitating, but I, you know, you unpack so many things that volunteers do that as you were talking, I'm thinking, how do we find anybody to do this? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, it's really remarkable. Honestly, it really yeah. is. Yeah. And, and I think some of it too, sometimes is, you know, realizing that it will be very rare for us to find a volunteer who's going to check all those boxes perfectly anyway. I mean, obviously we're, we're all broken and, and none of us are perfect, but kind of giving, volunteers the opportunity to maybe mess up a little bit, to fail a little bit, to also, I mean, grow. And, and I mean, specifically talking about teaching here, I mean, I, I cringe when I think about some of the early lessons that I taught students and it's like, Lord, please make them forget all of that. And please like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's terrifying. And so thinking of people who aren't this isn't their full-time job and they're, they're loving students enough to show up and to do this. Uh, I mean, trying to encourage them in that and trying to, I mean, uh, maybe have those meetings of, Hey, I was able to kind of sit in and watch this. And I noticed you did this. Here's something I might want to encourage you on kind of having those kind of teaching opportunities to your leaders, because 
chances are if they have a full-time job and they're not teaching anywhere else, yeah, they, they've got to grow in that. And so maybe that, that's just, that's just one thought because I do think, I mean, there's just something about being present um, and our students realize, you know, they might not realize it when they're in youth ministry, but I hope that as, I mean, when the students are currently going through a ministry, but as they become young adults, as they get older, they can think back and think, you know what, this person had a full-time job and they showed up to teach me. Um, and I don't remember any of the lessons, but I remember the fact that they, they actually cared enough to listen to me and to be around me. And, and, you know, that's something we, we, we need to emphasize. Um, and so, yeah, any thoughts on that? Any other comments there or any other just random thoughts that, that have uh, come to mind as we're talking, Linda? Yeah. I, um, just in terms of that, like, who's going to connect with students thing, um, I mean, I would even just say, let's make sure we have different personalities of volunteers, right? So, um, you know, like who's going to connect with students doesn't mean you're just looking for all the people who are like really energetic and crazy fun, right? Um, Because you have the introverted students that are like, overwhelmed when you put that person in front of them and you need someone who can connect with them, right? You need people who can connect with the different personalities of students, right? So um, I wouldn't like, I would just caution some people like don't assume the people that can connect best with students are just the like extroverted personalities. Like you need other types of personalities too. Um, But one other thing I was just thinking about as well is um, just using parents as volunteers. Um, and specifically when you're talking about more of kind of a small group leader volunteer, like it's really easy to use parents as like, oh, they're helping bring a meal or whatever. It gets a little more complicated sometimes to use them as small group leaders. Um, and I want to be like clear about what I'm saying. Like parents have sometimes been some of the best volunteers I have had. Um, But at the same time, you kind of just have to be careful about where you place them. If it's a small group leader type of role, Um, because I've seen situations where if that parent is their own child's small group leader, um, I think that can be a loss sometimes for the student. And I think, um, sometimes that can create situations that are a little bit more complicated than you need them to be. Yeah, I think that's a good word. And I think too, it's just, it's important for, you know, our own children to hear from other people other mm-hmm. than us and, and other teachers. And so, yeah, that's, that's one aspect of that. But then, like you said, some other situations that can come up. Um, look, I know we're, we're about to start wrapping this up. Scott, do you have any other just random thoughts that have come up from this? Any other um, nuggets of wisdom you'd like to share? And Linda, you too, before we close out. Yeah. Um, so I, I really like what Linda's saying about the, the diversity of leaders. I, I'm i laughing. I was laughing kind of inside, smiling, because I'm, I'm remembering that I've had students over the years. Because I'm, I'm kind of that, that – I. I mean, shocking, but I can be overwhelming (laughs) and I'm the extroverted person and I've had students who come to our, our ministry and, you know, they know their small group leader. They don't know, they don't know my name. I'm the one up front. I'm the one doing everything. I'm giving the talk, but they still don't know who I am, but they're there to connect with their small group leader. And I love that. Like that just makes me so happy. 
because they, I, if I try to, you know, they'll like run away from me because they know that I'm just going to be loud and in their face. And like, no, I want to talk about the books I'm reading and I want to, you know, and I love that. So I'm really thankful for that. So that's really good. Linda. Um, I, you know, uh, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a process that requires a lot of patience, uh, a lot of prayer. And, uh, I think, you know, if you're out there, you're looking to start recruiting volunteers. Uh, I think both of those are just really important to be patient and to be prayerful. And, and, you know, the Lord, the Lord will provide. I, I've had, um, I've had some top notch leaders, like you mentioned, John, somebody who adds years to my ministry, right. Uh, who have come to me at some point and say, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I really do need to, I really need to not serve next year. And, and I, I get, you know, that's stressful at some level. Uh, like, how am I going to replace this person? Right? Well, the Lord's faithful. He comes through and he puts those people in the lives of these children who he wants there. And that's just really important to remember, I think. So. Man, and, and I will say that is a great place to end, uh, to, to point to the Lord's faithfulness, uh, that he'll, he'll raise up leaders. Uh, he loves his church. He loves these students more than we do. And uh, he will raise those people up. Um, so, yeah, that's a good word uh, to end on. Uh, Scott, Linda, it's been great having this conversation. I appreciate uh, you both, uh, just your faithful labors for, for God's kingdom and it's been great to, to talk about this. I know it's going to be a blessing to others. 